There's a reason why I put my best foot forward Been fighting for too hard for far too long Always getting beat up on this road called life I'm trying to figure out where I belong Lost in my own head The doubts keep on coming My heart beats faster It's racing, it's racing I'm moving, moving, moving At the speed of light I'm running, running, running At it into light To make my dreams come I'm the Greeks <laughs> Are there Greek gangsters? Oh, God, yes. Hey, you never met Jersey? <laughs> You're right. That Mediterranean dog. Yeah, for real, mm-hmm. greasy Mediterranean dog. <laughs> We're just not stupid enough to let people make movies about what we do. <laughs> hey, at least we waited until after what we did was made illegal. <laughs> did and we? And at the end of the day, we still caught... Did ca- we? More or less. And we caught... Ca- you know, more or less. More or less. And hey, you know... Some of the best movies ever made, arguably the best television show ever made. Not for anything, you know, at least it was good. You can't get down with some Sopranos. You know, I actually really want to watch it. I've never watched it. You you owe it to yourself. You would love The Sopranos. The Sopranos is one of the greatest for sure out there. The writing and the acting are absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the cool things about sort of that movie being such a big success <laughs> is that uh, one of the actors out of there, a guy by the name of um, William DeMeo, he was one of the actors that was on some of the later season shows. He went out on his own, him and his son, and created a new gangster series called Graves End. And the first season mm. came out pre-COVID uh, on Amazon. And the second season, obviously, is on its way out this summer. And they, during COVID, filmed it here in Miami. Mm. Well, it just so happens that my entertainment attorney is their entertainment attorney as well. And so Will and him, you know, got together here and they wound up putting the money together to do the second season. And they got investors from this area. They got actors like um, uh, Amon DeSanti. They got Andrew Dice Clay. They got Fran Drescher. So the second season is going to come out, and they hired my attorney to play (laughs) the mob's doctor. It gives us the three degrees of separation for Andrew Dice Clay. I'm so excited (laughs) that, like, my attorney is going to be in the next season as the doctor, and he's very funny, like, just off the cuff, super funny, uh, and definitely has it to be an actor as well. So one of the producers had come to him and said, you know, we could totally see a spinoff of just, like, you, like, Dr. Schwartz. That's what they Dr. Schwartz. Dr. Schwartz. <laughs> the mom's doctor. Oh is he Jewish? And I think it's cool because yeah. you know how they came out with Breaking Bad and then they did the whole like, better who's got Saul. Yeah, Better Call Saul. Yeah. Who's got Saul? Better Call Saul. I haven't watched either of those all the way through either. I've started Breaking Bad like twice and never followed through. I want, I, I really like it like from what I've seen, and, and, but I've just never followed through with it. It's Breaking addictive. Bad is addicting and incredible and thrilling front to back. But it is not as good as, as Sopranos. And the fact that Which Better Call Saul is as good as it is, is damn near miraculous, given that you never see a spinoff that's like just as good, if not right. better, than the original. But that show fucking but, yeah, managed to make that happen. Part of, part of what helps, I think, is that that spinoff is a prequel. Yes. Well, of course. Yeah. I'm sure that helps. I yeah. mean, it helps and it hurts because it's like... 
It could go either way. From what I understand, like, cause I, I only watched the first couple of seasons of Better Call Saul, um, and some of the uh, recasting decision. I remember specifically El Camino, you know, which isn't necessarily a, a prequel, but what is that? It's the uh, the movie that kind of wraps up Jesse's oh, okay. plot. Uh, I recall that one. There was this one actor in it who, like. I don't know if he became an alcoholic or what, but he in the show in Breaking Bad, he was this like svelte, Swedish, Svoking man. <laughs> and <laughs> this svelte, Swedish looking man. And oh my God, in El Camino, he like blew the fuck up. It looked like he got like stung by bees. Oh God. And he, he like That's gained alcoholism. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked like he got like. He, he bloated the fuck up Ooh. and they were trying to pitch it off like this was like back then like he's the same guy got that Kreischer syndrome bro I could not it that fucked up the whole movie for me the <laughs> fact that they did that and the fact that they <laughs> from what I saw in Better Call Saul that they managed to not do that with any of the other actors was impressive and I appreciate the that. more I nice. see of Bob Odenkirk the more I like want to watch Better Call Saul because I just I've, oh, I've yeah, watched some a, interviews yeah that dude's of him he's funny and he's like apparently like his background is mostly like sketch writing mm -hmm. and stuff, yep. which I didn't know. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it lends itself very well to the you show. You know, when you get into the entertainment business, no matter what angle it is, whether it's acting or it's music or, or some other degree of artistry, um, it's interesting because, yes, it's a small world always getting smaller, and yet mm. it seems like it's so big and yet un and unattainable, but it, it's not. You know, everybody knows everybody, and there's just so many great ideas out there. So for movies and these types of things to, like, come out and just be so explosive, mm -hmm. you know, that's, I think, a beautiful thing. I love that music, too, has almost um, predominantly done better in film and television than it has actually just kind of throwing it out there and, you know, almost sometimes getting lost in a, a sea of many fish, you know, oh, and yeah. especially as an indie artist, you're doing it yourself. Now the digital world's like kind of like really blew it up. So you're either getting famous with a million quick hits on TikTok or Instagram is, you know, you're blowing up somewhere on some hitch, you know, like. And that's why the I'm, only, I'm trying to do what I'm doing with music. Yeah. For that exact the, reason. I feel like the only problem, though, is sometimes it's it's completely unpredictable what blows up because sometimes it's something if things don't blow up for the reasons you want it right. to so mm. something super well crafted skillfully crafted and produced and whatever whether yeah. it be movies music anything yep, yep. Uh, because it's memeable for some reason yes. there's some yep. scene or some 30 second snippet that everybody catches to yeah it's uh, good it'll, it'll, it'll blow <laughs> it'll up be something silly like that but then like an amazing it's good yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> But then, like an amazing song, like some somebody put their heart and soul into, takes it away, gets three views, or star three power, and or you're whatever. like, why? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Ghost on the Ox. Uh, I'm no longer saying the number episode numbers in the title uh, in the intro because they're always out of order, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, there it goes well. I'm Devin. Uh, with me today, Trey. Hello. And special guest, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm Nicole D'Agostino, a.k.a. The Narrator. I'm CEO of I Am The Narrator as a songwriter, music producer, publisher, and I wear many other hats as well. Um, real quick before we like continue discussion, uh, all the little plugs. Follow Ghost in the Ox on Twitter and Instagram at Ghost in the Ox. We also have Patreon, patreon.com slash Ghost in the Ox. Trey, what's your stuff at underscore dot tempest on instagram and soundcloud.com slash sonus tempest s-o-n-i-s-t-e-m-p-u-s 
follow me on those. That's all I got. Nicole? You can follow me at I am the narrator on Instagram or Nicole D'Agostino. That's N-I-C-H-O-L D apostrophe A-G-O-S-T-I-N-O on Facebook. And I do have a website. It's I am the narrator.com, but it is under construction right now. So I would say just stay tuned. We switched some artists around. We switched some info around. So you know how that techie stuff needs time to get done. Needs to cook a little bit yeah. before it's ready. Yep. All too familiar with that. Um, Nicole. Yes. For our listeners, give like a one sentence description of what you do. And we'll get we'll get deeper into it as as we talk, but just outline. I am the narrator. I am the author of my story and I'm living my life and I'm telling my dreams and I'm doing it through music and um, I'm doing it my way. And that's, I think, the most important thing for anybody to do is, you know, take that as a philosophy. Valid as fuck. So no matter what you do, and if the, the question was tell everybody what you do in one word, I do everything. Mm. Everything. Everything you want to do. Everything. Yeah. I think that is kind of an important message, actually, because I, I live by a similar philosophy of just doing... I'm kind of stubborn because I, I resonate with the my way aspect of it mm-hmm. because I, I've had opportunities to do things where I have to kind of abide by a certain structure. And I'm like, mm, I don't really want to do it that way. I want to do it my own, carve my own path out, you know? Yeah. I'm sure you can you relate to that also. Oh, 100%. Sometimes um, carving your way and sometimes doing things your way also means to circumnavigate the system a little bit in order to see things other people's way. And even if you're, we can use the word conforming to another person's way or another person's style for a moment in time to almost chameleon in order to get the result that you need and want to long term, Mm, you are still doing it your way. True. So sometimes if you've reached a point where you feel like, well, I'm stuck, you're not. Sometimes you got to go along with the punches a little bit until you get to a point where you're like, okay, I see a different way of doing this. Sure. And that'll actually sure. uh, benefit me better so, than And sometimes you have structure. to take the other path just to yeah. learn what you want to do better. You may not know that you're on that path to learn what you are supposed to be learning so that you can do what you're supposed to do better, but it is happening. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, I guess in the traditional sense, are a producer. I am. Um, how did you actually get started? Is this is music like was was this like one of the your like how do I lifelong dreams or passions when I was a little girl? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, when I was a little girl growing up, my dream was to get married and have children. I was always very you know happy and very domestic uh, you know related. I played a lot of dolls and mm. you know home school and all those types of things when I was little growing up. And uh, I loved music, and I'm a child of the 80s as well, so some of the things that I listened to on the radio a lot were like, you know, Whitney Houston and Madonna and Cyndi Lauper, and that was kind of my teenage time. Uh, Was I the girl in my room 
hoping that I had a voice and could sing with, with a, my hairbrush. Hair oh, mirror. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I loved, you know, doing my hair and doing makeup and looking in the mirror and, you know, dressing in fashion as a teenager. And uh, I do remember thinking I could sing, wanting to sing, being inspired by great singers. But every time I opened my mouth, my mom would be like, don't give up your day job <laughs> and please stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sometimes those particular things can get squashed in the beginning. Uh, had I maybe early on taken vocal lessons and really like learned to use my voice and learned to sing better I could have maybe been a greater singer than I am right now but it was never actually uh, an early dream so I was more interested in like meeting boys and being social and gypsying around to parties and having fun and I think just you know relationship after relationship after relationship and then finally finding you know the right person was dream come true number one and then um, first check on the checklist. yeah and then um, he had two children from a previous marriage and they were young they were like nine and uh, 12 and the 12 year old is special needs so she was born Uh, with a rare disorder, uh, and she's a forever child. So um, I immediately had an instant family of children, and we we were like peas and carrots right Mm. away as well. Uh, That's good. Some years later, after they were pretty much grown and almost out of the house, we had a child together, Mm. and he's now 13. So dream number two. Wow. Uh, I live in a beautiful home. I'm very, very grateful, very blessed. Uh, My husband and I have both worked our booties off from very young ages to get to where we are right now, like very, very, very hard. But we are now at that point where we kind of had it all. About 2012, we retired. Mm. So dream number three. So time to do the things that try, you really time want Time to, to do, do the things, but at the same time, I'm very committed still to life. I have, you know, we have a child together that keeps us on a schedule, school schedules and, and the after school projects. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you're retired, you almost work more than you ever worked before because the business of being business for as a person, when you, you know, have a family and you have a home and you have bills and you have cars and you have insurance and you have food and gas yeah. and all the millions trillion things that we all have to pay for and sometimes then some you know that whole more money more problems Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't even imagine how every day we're just absorbing and absorbing and absorbing hundreds of dollars more every single month and yet I'm still making it we're still making it we're still doing it all of us you know cumulatively together but I find myself in a very blessed state so well, it seems like one of those uh, frogs in a boiling pot situations. Yeah, about where people just over time just kind of acclimate while they have the time. To- they're given like a steady enough like rise in being able to do so. Yeah. So um, when I retired in 2012 and came here to the Martin County area, we didn't come far. I was already on the Treasure Coast for 20 years, and I had always been a little bit into belly dancing and always a little mm. bit into you know this music or that music and this uh, show or that show. And when I got here, I started to take on ballroom dancing at Fred Astaire, and I met a lot of people uh, there. Where? Fred Astaire. Not familiar. It's a ballroom dancing. Uh, facility here in the okay. area. They're, they're actually a chain. Fred Astaire's are pretty much all over. Ballroom dancing have different, you know, dance 
places all over mm. the Treasure Coast, but I started learning ballroom dancing. Cool. And through that, I met a couple of other people, and I went to see a couple of shows in the area, and I went to a local theater in the area, and I was so um, over the moon and very starstruck by the experience that I asked if I could really get involved and be involved. Uh, and they made me their house manager for seven mm. years. So nice. sort of as a hobby on the side, I was stepping into the role every month for five, six, seven shows in a row of musical theater. Wow. One of the things I thought maybe I could do was sing <laughs> uh, or dance in it. Um, so I needed to kind of get my feet wet and learn a little bit. I had no experience whatsoever in so, musical theater or anything like that. So this like was that. like literally you're just thrown into the woods. I was of just kind of thrown into it. And you had uh, no, no. And the people there were just like, hey, do you want to be a house manager? You have great personality. So <laughs> I was like, sure. You know, it's kind of like the hostess from the door to the stage. And mm. then there's, of course, a stage manager through the dressing rooms and, and backstage. But it's basically managing all the people, yeah. um, you know, managing the people that come in there, you know, the bar, the, the ushers, everybody keep, you know, everybody safe. Um, and I was, like I said, watching these amazing performances on stage that were kids that were just better than the adults sometimes. And I used to love the narrator and I used to, I used to watch people walk in there and just escape reality for a moment to almost be lost in a true reality lesson. And through music and through song and dance and these great stories that were being told, narrating, you know, uh, people were walking out changed literally change. Something would move you, something would spark, uh, something in you would be different every time you would walk out of there. And I loved being a part of it. And I loved dressing up sort of in character. Each time there'd be a show, I'd kind of do my best to dress up as much as I could. And of course, in you theme. fall in love with over a hundred kids that are coming in there and putting their heart and soul into it. Yeah. Um, somewhere along the way in my early 20s, I started writing just uh, little snippets of pieces of paper, rhymes and poems and lyrics to songs that I thought would be a good song. And then I'd put them away in books and, and whatever, and I kind of lost, you know, they were in a file. The real going into the music business was me writing another song around 2019 mm. on my way back from a family vacation. It just came to me while I was driving. And everybody was like, you need to go into the recording studio and do something with this. And I was so, like, wait, okay. Wait, so you just were improvising something or like you had a memory that came back and you... Stories in songs are sparked sometimes by multiple stories going on. This uh -huh. particular song um, was called Free Fall. It was the first one that I put out. It is streaming out everywhere. But this song was actually inspired by many different things. When I was in my 20s, I did a tandem jump. I went into a plane, mm. went 10,000 feet up, oh, and jumped no. out attached to somebody when I was 20 years old on my birthday. Ooh. And that was quite a ride. I have to say it was thrilling. I have a videotape, a VHS of it. And um, so the Free Fall experience of that, was what sparked some of that song. And then we had made a stop along the way and we watched the movie Point Break, which also had the free fall experience in there. We hung with my nephews who were all really big into listening to that one um, Old Town Road song that oh, was going yeah. on, you know, it Lil was Nas like X. this really cool mix yeah. going on and the combination of all that stuff and then the combination of everything going on in the world at the time it was all going on, I would mm. literally wake up every single morning, my foot would hit the ground and I'd, you know, wake up and I would be like, what's happening in the world today? Like every time I got up in the morning, something was on the news. Somebody was talking about something. It was just constant no matter where I was going. Everybody 
knows exactly what I'm talking about. We don't have to hash everything out. We right. all get and know what's going on yeah. in the world. But that's how the song was actually um, birthed. And then to get even further into how that was birthed, because all these lyrics are in the song. <laughs> Free fall, um, end game. I'm a Marvel comic fan. Okay. How and we you? had just finished watching like end game. <laughs> nice. And honestly, the fight in the end... The end game was the same for us all. Those are lyrics in my song because that's where I had the feeling. The feeling came from watching that movie in the song. So, Trey, Trey over mm-hmm. here. What? I am literally boring Trey to no, sleep. No, he's exhausted. He's, yeah, no, forgive I, Trey. He's had it's okay. a crazy couple of days. It's all right, Trey. I talk a lot. No, it's not you. I've just slept like Poor thing. five hours over the past like four days. <laughs> Well, let me, give me a second. Let me pop a sense of being real quick. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So really, I only went into the music business um, four years ago. Made a lot of very as a songwriter since then. That's kind of like quite the leap. What did you? So what did you do before the front of house management stuff? Like, did you have any preliminary? I did. I was in the construction that, industry. I um, I know. I was in the I was in the building Excuse industry. Me? I um, I was working for a company called Screen Builders in West Palm Beach as a girl Friday. I would go in there and help some of the sales guys um, go through the con- you know contracts they had written up over the month or whatever to see if anybody was still interested in getting a screen enclosure put on their house. Mm. And all the people in the office and I became really good friends. And then certain jobs would open up and they would ask me what I was doing for the rest of the week. And I was doing a few things, but not much. I was doing a lot of charity. Um, I'll backtrack just a tiny bit because this is super important, especially for young people that are listening. Somewhere around 26 to 20, mm, uh, I'm going to go back, 25 to 26, 27, there's always that crash and burn moment when you're a gypsy like I am. And I think I had just done too much and it was just too much. I'm on my way, baby. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, where do you, when you right reach now. the top where, and you hit rock bottom, where do you go from there? You have to start all over again. Mm-hmm. And so I did at that 26, 27 year old mark, I started making different choices and putting myself in different positions in different places. I started to look at the people that were getting together in downtown um, Broward County and in Palm Beach for the Covenant House to help kids get off the street, runaways, abusive families, kids along the line. Covenant House is very popular in in Broward. Palm Beach didn't have anything like that. And so a couple of friends that I was hanging out with said, hey, would you like to start a group here in Palm Beach to help kids that are not, we don't want to cut them off at 18. We want to give them till they're 21. If they're on the street and they need a new start, we need to start raising money and we need a facility for them to be able to go to for a hot shower and a meal and a place of reference. And, you know, we really need to get that up and running in West Palm. So out of that was birthed um, Friends of Safe Place. I am the vice president or was the vice president of that back in the 90s. And me Mm. and basically this is how it started. Me and 10 friends stepped to a bar and were like, hey, if we can bring a bunch of people here like for happy hour between like five and seven, will you offer up two drinks and a small hors d'oeuvre spread for the first couple people that come here? And they were like, sure. And we were like, we're going to charge $10 at the door just to start this charity up and running. So people, friends of ours and like professional statuses came all from all over and started paying us $10 mm. during this happy hour time. And the Children's Home Society got wind that we were doing this and they wanted to make us a guild of the Children's Home Society. Mm. While I was there doing this charity work, I was working part-time in a psychologist's office, just office work a couple days a week. I was this girl Friday at this screen company because 
One of the guys that I met there was one of the screen designers. Here's the lesson. When you make changes that are outside of what you really, really want to do and what you're used to doing, some of the greatest things can happen. Mm. And when you hit rock bottom and you say to yourself, oh my God, look at how much I have taken. What can I give back? And you start to put your best foot forward Mm -hmm. in charity. All good people and all good things come from those places. The seasonal friends that I had have come and gone. My lifelong friends have come from that and those basic better choices. So I designed screen enclosures and worked in the aluminum field. Not only did I work my way up through the company and worked everything from human resources to accounts payable to inventory control, I then got crash coursed in um, drafting and design and I was the girl that showed up to your house to measure your backyard and then sit down and do the drawing and sell you your screen enclosure or your Mm. fencing. Now, as you guys know, on the Treasure Coast, we had many hurricanes come through here. Many, many hurricanes. So business is probably booming because so you're always replacing them every butt, few years. took names, <laughs> got married through my own wedding, paid for it myself because I wanted full control <laughs> nice. with that money. Uh, and then my husband, who gave his life to public service, retired a few years after me. And we started looking around for our forever home. And we found this home in Martin County that we just fell in love with. It's beautiful. looks like a dollhouse. Uh, and I feel like a little princess in it <laughs> for sure. Uh, but it's a great house, great property. We love Martin County. I'm in love with this area. And I had some extra mad money. What was I doing before? Some construction, some this, some that, some this, some that. But I had some mad money. And I said, you know, if I can invest this into anything, what would it be? Uh, music was the answer, not because music is my passion, which it is a passionate thing, but people are my passion. And while the state of the world is in the state that it's in, and while things are so unsure, and there's a million things you could invest in from stocks to bonds to this to that, um, I thought music was the most powerful to Mm. reach 8 billion people on the planet. I'd like to try to see if one of the stories I tell through music somehow makes that change and that difference in the world. That's big because that music is one of the very few things that transcends language, bar- uh, borders, all kinds of things, and unites people and brings people together. Mm-hmm. If Armageddon happens tomorrow um, and there's not much left, something somewhere will make noise. Yeah. Period. I'll, I'll, I'll start a drum circle. There. Yep. There'll be, a, there'll be a bird somewhere that might still chirp. Yeah, absolutely. That's big. So the um, doing that happy hour thing and charging the door, was that like your first um, kind of venture into like event coordinating stuff? Uh, like like putting together events and things? Did, did, that, did that kind of lead into that? Yes. My mom was a very social butterfly and uh, loved to throw parties and make everything just right and perfect for everyone. She did like to please everyone, and she was always a very generous giver. So I think my just event planning, party planning definitely comes from my mom, Mm. for sure. Um, And I think just over time, I've learned to expand on that. Uh, Having a little bit of a behind the scenes look in musical theater um, showed me that I could, you know, produce and direct as well. Uh, Scouting and producing shows is much different than I went into this, you know, with intent. I, I went into this with intent to like write the songs. Right. 
uh, and just produce the songs, direct right. and produce the songs. It's grown to be much bigger because in the process of that, you're still wearing many hats. You're directing, you're producing, you're managing many people, many, many people. Parts, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> special guest. Shout out Maya. Shout out special guest yeah. Maya. A dog just popped its head in here in case anybody's listening. It's like it's like when and, like and Jimmy back. Fallon introduces their guests and they come from behind the curtain. It's, it's Maya. <laughs> anyway, um so yeah, wearing many hats. You wear many hats yourself. I do. Um how do you going back to like business of life, how do you like manage your time with all the different things you do? Well, I get up early, you know, around 7, 7.30. There's sometimes no choice because when you're a mom, you have to be in car line. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, first things first. True. Uh, my husband is around, so sometimes in the morning he's making coffee and breakfast while I'm getting up and getting moving. So it's definitely a team effort for sure. It's not all about me. Uh, so we have a tendency to play tag team a lot. I'm going one direction, he's going in another. Uh, usually High through five the, on the way past the right. Trailer. Once uh, you know, once the little one's off and running in school, and that happens, you know, by like eight thirty, nine a.m., nine thirty in the morning, I'm back to my house. So I have a lot of time. I have six hours until I have to get into car line again. So it's really pretty easy for me to uh, whip out the hurricane that just hit, which is, of course, the, the kitchen and the mess and vacuum up and throw some laundry in and check on everything and everyone. Look at my phone. You know, it does take time, but it can be done if you sit down and just focus on doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Especially um, when you have you have a limited amount of time that kind of forces you to, uh, yeah. And listen, I'm awake and bake it. the moment my eyes open. And so, <laughs> you know, I can get that to do anything I want it to. It's nice. definitely, a, um, not something that takes me down in any way, shape or form. It only makes me, um, able to slow down what's happening already in my head sometimes so that I can process it and actually get it done. Sometimes you can be zinging with so many different pro you know, ideas and so many different uh, uh, things coming at you at one time that it's too hard to focus on anyone. Right, the ADHD. So, yeah, so when I get home, like I said, 9, 9.30 in the morning, I'm like, okay, put my phone down for a second and I could whip the kitchen out in 30 minutes. Boom, if I put my phone down for 30 minutes, yeah. I can do it. And then again, throw the laundry in. I mean, it, it takes time, but I'm back to sitting down by like 11, 1130 and I have something to eat and I'm like, okay, now what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Writing songs is easy. That comes to me. I have to actually stop it from coming to me sometimes. It's when all the other stuff is piled into your head, like, okay, I'm producing a show. Do I have everything covered? Is the money all there for everybody? Is lighting there? Is sound there? Is ticket sales there? I mean, those are the things. Is everybody happy? Is everybody happy with the flyer? Is everybody happy with what they're getting paid? Is everybody happy with the set time that they're having? You know, it's let a me, lot. Yeah, let me ask you a question about that part, about the organizing events. Can you, can you kind of give us like a crash course, not crash course, but just an explanation from step one of like, okay, you have an idea of an event. Uh, you step into a location and pitch the idea to them. Is that square one? Is that yes. how you start? And where do you go from there? How does this, how from does that From there, process? I say what, you know, they say, well, what date do you want? And I say, well, can I have, you know, Saturday, January 20th? And they look in their calendar and they say, okay, yes, that's free. <clears throat> and I say, okay, this is who I'm going to bring in. This is who my idea is for a headliner. This is who I want to put on stage. Um, and this is what I'll charge at the door. I'll cover all of these expenses and you cover these expenses on your end. And at that point, we basically just make a deal. I go back to my computer 
and I go into a very simple pages or budget, whatever, you know, comes up on my computer. I use a little budget plan and I go in there and I figure out all the people and the players that are going to be involved. I start with the artists and then I make myself a little cheat sheet in there and I put in what all the artists are going to get paid. And then I do, you know, what's it going to cost for the flyer? What's it going to cost to print the flyer? How much is it going to cost for the lighting? How much is it going to cost for the sound man? How much is it going to cost for security? What is the green now, room budget? And yeah, and, and so like when you're going through that the budget mm -hmm. and paying stuff, do you do you have go to people for those things, or do you like fish around like oh I want to find the the right fit of for this person to do this job that no. fits a budget and or no how does this work? I say what do I see in my head and how do I want to design this and what do I want it to look like and then I put everybody in play together. Okay. Um, Sometimes it's impromptu. Sometimes it's exactly the way I see it yeah. in my head. Sometimes you got to just roll with whatever Absolutely. cards you were dealt. What I have found is the day of the show, when you've done all you can do to prepare, for me, when I get up in the morning, I'm like, okay, at this point, wherever the pieces fall, they fall. If mm -hmm. it's an all-out hurricane, it's an all-out hurricane, everybody. Sorry. Sometimes <laughs> it happens. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. If somebody doesn't show Such up, somebody Florida. doesn't show up. It's yeah. kind of like you have to just let it happen. Yeah. And you just have to be okay with everything happen. I think one of the things that as a, when you put yourself in a house manager type of situation, everything has to run on time and everything has to run smooth. And if there are fires, you simply try to put them out. That's mm -hmm. all. That's all you can do. Sometimes it's, it's when you're the one in control, you just have to set the gears in motion and let it play out. And then if yes. something goes, you, you can't just like. Yep. Pre to pre, you, you can't fix problems that aren't there. Yeah. You got to wait for them to appear and then deal with it when it shows up. Absolutely, yeah. I have no control. Um, one of my artists that I brought in from Louisiana, uh, had no control over the fact that she came into town and we thought she had COVID when she hit the ground. Ooh. So she had a show to do like a week later, and we did what we could. <laughs> How did that work out? But she was <clears throat> she was still on half of what she was uh, of what she can do. She ran on half of that. Mm. But still did a, a, a knockout job. She was she's a star for yeah. sure. Half like what do you mean like half? Like, like she was on half vocal power. Oh, I got you. Okay, so, yeah, okay, yeah, half battery. Type. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So you're saying that the like writing music really comes easily to you? Yes. What what is it more of the the music like itself, like melodies or like the writing or what part like speaks to you the most? Um, the story that inspires it okay. is what happens. So okay. for instance, um, you know, as we are all getting older and all of these little aches and pains and time is moving by very quickly, for instance, uh, you know, I, I looked over at my husband and he was sitting on the couch one day and, you know, he was just trying to figure some things out as we all do. And I was like, man, an old man's a low man. It's so hard to slow down, isn't it, honey? Mm. Boom. Lyrics. Yeah, that sounds, so like now, a, that sounds like a hook right there. Right. So I've sung this song around before. It, it's easy because what happens is that lyric will come to me, and then I'll be like, an old man's a low man, so hard to slow down. Boom. And that's how, and that it comes to me just like that. I don't really change too, too much off my songs. I really have to find the vocalist that can move some things around without changing the story mm -hmm. itself. But the story is there. Like the story just comes to me out of everything that's going on in the week, for instance. Um, and this happens a lot as well. 
Uh, I'll meet somebody, they'll tell me a story about how they were adopted when they were younger and they had this, you know, happen to them in their life and this happened to them in life. The same week somebody talks to me about, you know, having feelings of abandonment and these things come about and, you know, I'll have a conversation with that person as well and then maybe something else comes up that's very similar to that story. Uh, however I'm feeling inside about it is what will wind up coming out. Mm. Um, one of the things I find that I do in trying to grab onto each and every single second of time is I feel like I'm always stealing it. I'm stealing mm. it on the side. I'm stealing it on the slide. I get as much as I possibly can done. I could live another day. I could live another 50 years. I don't know yet. So I'm constantly on the move to try to steal yeah. time away so I can make it my own and, right. and do what I want to do with it. So for that, something like that, I'm sorry to cut you off. That's, that's like another important lesson I think for young people yeah. is like to really like take control of your time Yes. Uh, and, and sometimes other people's time in the process yes. because you gotta, you gotta, you can't, that's like the, the most limited resource there yes. is, is time. Yes. And, um, and especially when you spent so much time in your business or working and all of a sudden somebody in your fam, something happens to somebody in your family and you're oh, like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I haven't spent enough time with that person in my family. Yeah. And then everything else becomes not even as important. Right. So, you know, because I will think in my head, you know, I'm stealing time from these precious moments. It's on the sly. So no one will notice that rhymes, that mm. rhymes. So it becomes rhymey in my head. And then I'll be like, how does that sound actually? So for that one, it's like, I'm stealing time from these precious moments. And then it has like this jazzy blues feel to it, right? So mm. I'm writing in all genres, just, you know, um, my song, My Dreams is one of the first songs I actually wrote about how I was feeling on the inside. All these other songs came from other outside sources. So I wrote a song called My Dreams and the very first words, and it is very musical theater. It's got a 1990s Disney vibe to it. And it's like, there's a reason why I put my best foot forward. Been fighting for so hard for far too long. Always getting beat up on this road called life. I'm trying to figure out where I belong. That is mm. about me. And so how it came out and how it came out through my head was it came out just like that in my head. I was, I was just doing dishes in my kitchen. And I was like, there's a reason. You're know, like dancing around like, yeah. there's a reason why I'm doing this. There's a reason why I put my best foot forward. And it just exploded in my head. And as it's exploding in my head and I'm going line by line by line by line, at this point now I'm grabbing my phone. Because I know if I have this thought, I'll lose it. Those ideas. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it yeah, happened yeah. the other night. I was on my way to bed. Something hit me, and it was so good. And as I was laying down, too lazy to grab my phone, <laughs> which was right next to the bed, yeah. I was like, just repeat it to yourself over and over, Nicole, before you actually close your eyes. Because I sleep like the dead, and the second my eyes close, <laughs> that's it. I'm out. So I'm, I'm grabbing onto like memorizing the lyrics before and I'm like, all right, you got this. You're totally remembering this in the morning. That is so good, Nicole. That is so good. I have no fucking idea <laughs> where that song is, where it went, but I, have, I don't even remember what it was about. Damn. Damn. You remember a piece of it though. Enough. But here's the thing. Can we craft it? I could get hung up on that or I could be like, yeah, whatever. There'll be another one. Yeah. Trey, you need some cold water or something? Poor I got Trey. cold water right here. <laughs> no. I've been in your okay. position before. Oh, man. I, I really heavily sympathize for you right now. <laughs> I am so sorry. It's okay, Trey. I swear. I, I know I, that I am one of the most you. boring people I, I already, most people I have, have to stop you ever right there. met. <laughs> hand on the Bible, it is not you. 
I am just this too, man. far too out here for my own health. Speaking of time management, this man <laughs> has no time. Nope. <laughs> um, never enough. Never enough. I, I've definitely had those type of moments where like, I have an idea come to me, and I'm like, that's an awesome idea. And it's it, like, almost the exact same situation where like I'm in bed, and I'm like, I'll, this is a good enough idea. I'll remember this tomorrow to... to start putting it in motion or whatever wake mm -hmm. up no recollection whatsoever and then you know what i'm like you know what i had an amazing idea something else will come eventually because it's kind of like i i feel like this could apply to a lot of forms of artistry of art but like idea it's like you kind of can't get too married to an idea because there's going to be so many and you only have so much time true so you just got to pick the ones that are like the I best of the, the best. best the best yeah and then put your best foot forward on it. <clears throat> My stepdad gave me some great advice when I was younger, and he said to me over and over whenever there'd be this heartfelt conversations, he would say to me, Nicole, do what you love to do, and then do it better than anyone in the entire world, and you will always be successful. That's real. So one of the things that I have learned, discovered, something I think that was always there from when I was a little girl is that... I am Nicole D'Agostino. I am Nicole. I am the brand. It's me. Right. I could make music. I could sell screen enclosures. I could sell shoes. I could do anything. Mm -hmm. I could be working behind the register somewhere, and I'm still going to be me better than anybody in the entire world is going to ever be able to do that. So that's what I really just stay focused on. Because there's so many hats, I don't do all of them well. You know, Some of them I do better than others. And sometimes I just am very fortunate to meet somebody who can do it better than I can, and then I'm smart enough to put them in play to do it. You know, that's another big thing going, again, like a, a third big thing for, I think, younger people or, like, people starting up in... I, I like to use the label creators for, for like, blanket term for a lot of things, like sure. music, film, art, whatever, writing, anything. It's like, it's that... Um, You're a parent. It, it's, it's When you use the word creator, you immediately think of God. Well, yeah. And so as a creator and a true artist, knowing that you have everything, that's there's that word again. Mm. I am everything. Mm. I do everything. You know, we think everything, the good, bad, the ugly. When we have an idea come to us <clears throat> and we become these this muse, you know, right. where do you go with this? This idea is so big. It's too big in my head. How can this even be accomplished? You can be accused of, you know, your dreams being of such grandeur that they'll never go anywhere. But what you have to do is if you have a big idea, just start at the beginning. Right. Be, be you. Right. And that, that's, that's the part I was going to speak on was in, in like today's very personality driven entertain, entertainment landscape. Yeah. You can do whatever when you focus on yourself as the brand because nobody can be you better than you can. Yeah. So when you apply whatever your passion or thing is and incorporate it your personality into it that makes it shine a certain way rather than just oh this thing works so i'm just going to keep doing this nonstop right. because it works it gains audience it gets right. money whatever but then you get tired of it after a while you burn out but when you apply your personality your outlook your perspective your passion into a variety of things or just whatever it is you want to do that i feel like maybe there are times where it's not as widespread successful but it's at least a lot more fulfilling yes and I think that's more important in my in my personal opinion. Absolutely. That it personal is. growth and fulfillment is a lot more important. 
It is. I think we all, you know, want to think that we've made some sort of impact here. Yeah. While we're here. Yeah. You know. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people saving a lot of things. And there are a lot of people that are investing in a lot of things to help a lot of things. Uh, like I said, I could have skulked off and done nothing. Just, you know, take my extra money and buy some more purses and some more jewelry and, and some more shoes. And, hang out in the house. You know, and travel a little bit more and go here and go there. But the reality is I do want to leave um, something worth something behind, even if it's something small, even if it's nothing at all, but if it could be something greater than myself, I'm certainly wanting to give that a shot. Uh, one of the things I know that a lot of young people may not know is that, you know, music royalties, if you, whether you do something that's making you five cents right now or $5 or $500, if something was to happen to you, that is something that is inheritable for up to 70 years after your death. Right. So it's important to have this creator in me able to pass that on to another future creator, which is going to be my son, because anything I don't complete here, he has the power to not only go on and collect on anything I've done so far, but it kind of is a little bit of a, you know, better feeling to know that maybe there will be a little bit something more, um, both emotionally and financially that I can leave him mm -hmm. behind when a I'm legacy. not here someday. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that will help shape him as he goes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And That's I big. think for a lot of young people today that are trying to figure that out too, um, I think one of the most important things about being yourself is building relationships. You build a relationship with yourself. You have to learn to forgive yourself. You have to learn to love yourself. You have to continue to keep moving forward. That is like the most important thing. That's, that's in, a famous Walt Disney quote. In the heat of the moment, it is the Robinsons. Again, yeah. I love Disney. Mm -hmm. um, but I just watched that movie. You know, it's it's, one, of the, it's one of the greatest. My, it makes me cry every time I, at the end. I have, I have a, I'm sorry, quick tangent. Yeah. My mom, um, I'm 23. My mom just had, I'm, I was only child until recently. My mom just had a baby. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So I Yay! have, I have a, you're a big brother. Four month old sister now. Yay! And so she's been carefully re revisiting and curating like some of the best like movies and cartoons and stuff, Disney and otherwise sure. uh, uh, media from when I was a kid, from when she was a kid, sure. et cetera, to, to pass on to her. And nice. yeah, Meet the Robinsons was on the other day when I was babysitting her and it was like, I, I kind of got sucked into it. Yeah, definitely <laughs> up there with one of my favorites. Like I said earlier, when we were talking about um, the super dog there, uh, Bolt, Bolt was definitely one of my favorites as well. Mm. Um, there's such, you know, the thing is, is there's such great uh, and beautiful moments in some of the, you know, original stuff, the original, the OG. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the, but what I was getting back to with relationships and stuff like that is <sighs> you'll meet somebody and it might not be about, you know, where they come from or what they do or what they're doing. They may not be in any business that's similar to yours or even know anybody in a similar business to yours. But we might find one thing that we have in common. Like, I drink tequila, mm -hmm. you drink tequila. Could be something silly like that. Um, you wake and bake, I'm an I eagle. wake and bake. Yeah, I wake and bake, you wake and bake. <laughs> yeah, so now we have something in common. Um, I, you know, you take a trip. I, I've been to Cuba, you've been to Cuba. I don't know, like whatever. You've been mm -hmm. on a cruise, whatever. There's some sort of common entity. Um, and one of the things that I always tell everybody is in building a relationship, just, you know, try to get to know people. Somewhere in getting to know people, you're going to find that moment and place in unity. 
might even be somebody you hate, might be like an enemy, someone you're not even talking to. But somewhere in the midst of all that is something that's going to draw you together that you're going to have in common. It took me a while. It was kind of one of the things I grew up with, but it took me a while to really understand it on a deeper level is to find the valuable wisdom, insight, information, whatever it is. We can refer to Disney again if you want to, Devin, because (laughs) I believe there's a movie called Pocahontas. (laughs) I believe there is. And I think in that song, you know, it really makes sense. You know, you have to walk in another person's shoes. How can you even know? There, there's you know, plenty it may of not be somebody who looks or thinks like you. I think yeah. those are the lyrics. Um, you just have to be able to change with all the colors of the wind. Right. So, like like we talk about, if you may you might not be the same age as me because I'm 50 mm. and you're 23, and we may not have lived on the same timeline necessarily and had the same experiences. But here we but are. Here we are crossing paths. Absolutely, anyways. and we have so many things in common, don't we? So we already know that about each other. Right. Like we knew that the moment I first came in here for an open mic night, right. I immediately knew and I could immediately hear, even just in the sounds of your voices, that you were very good at what you were doing and that this was going to be successful. And then when I saw the people come and gather here and saw the relationships and felt the energy in the room, mm-hmm. I knew I could feel it. I knew it. You know, that's a place that draws you. That's a place, somebody that, you know, draws you in. And I don't walk into a room. I tell this all the time to my son, too. Don't walk into a room wondering if anybody is going to like you. You walk into a room and you wonder if you're going to like any of them. Right. Because they're going to have to bring that like you are. And if they're not, like a garden, you're going to have to weed through those relationships and weed through those people. If you're coming upon people that um, you don't, you know, share the same character with or you don't have the same values or you're not, you know, this person is just not somebody that you are comfortable being in their energy or in their space or in a room with, there are other people. There's a way to move on. Yeah. And despite however, whatever level of anxiety you have about how people perceive you, everybody else in the room is going through the exact same thing in their head. So it's best to just drive that part out of your brain because really it's about building that relationship with people. Yeah. It's so crazy that you say that because I feel like I went through that when I was a teenager, you know, like I felt like I hit that puberty period and I was like, my hair was short. I had a really bad haircut experience. I had braces, the worst acne. Mm. I had this horrible bump in my nose from being so Greek and so Italian. I got made fun of and got called names. And I was, I was super, super skinny with like no boobs, just this straight girl with like, I was gawky. Mm. I was an oddball amongst oddballs. I think even my mom thought I was an odd case during that time. But, you know, you kind of go through it and you come out of it. And now all of a sudden I'm hearing my 13-year-old talk to me about, like, some of the things he's feeling insecure about. He's like, Mom, do you think my nose is too big? And I'm like, what? First of all, that's the smallest little Greek and Italian nose I've ever seen in my family. So he lucked out on that one. I just want to say that. Uh, But they're all going through it, you know? They're all, everybody's going through it. And it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, a teenager or if you're in your 20s or if you're in your 30s or if you're in your 40s, you're going through something, all the different stages, all those different things that you go to. I still think I can dance like a 20 year old at my own shows. Turns out my knee doesn't think I can because <laughs> three days after a show, <laughs> I'm down for the count. Mm. Now I'm like self-conscious about like my knee, who's going to take care of me? (laughs) If my knee goes out, how am I going to dance? Like all these crazy things go through your head. You know, will my legs still look sexy with a bad knee? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little vanity going on here too. There's too many wrinkles. I've got to Photoshop pictures now. It's not fun. Like how can I, how can I still look sexy with a brace? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
And it's not about what other people are necessarily going to think, really. It's how I'm thinking about right. me in my head. Yeah. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that like, slight, tiny bit of vanity thing is, like, it's a balance. Mm -hmm. Because on, on one hand, it's, like, mostly for yourself. But at the same time, like, appearance and, and how you conduct yourself does matter. Mm -hmm. uh, in the greater scheme to sure. other people. So like a tiny bit of that vanity it can be valuable. Absolutely. Like I said earlier, learn how to circumnavigate the system. You know, yeah. the entire world is your chessboard. Right. If you want the pawn to move in a certain place, what do you have to do in order to get the pawn to move there? So right. if it means something super small, like, all right, I'm going to cut my hair shorter or I'll wear a little makeup today or, I gotta wear you know, this maybe I'll wear a long sleeve t-shirt. So, you know, this doesn't show or that doesn't show, or I don't want to show him. You know, my son goes to school with sweatpants on because he doesn't want to show off his legs because he's got hair on it now. Um, really? Welcome to the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're really he's gonna, 13, so he's circumnavigating he that. Yeah. So sweatpants wow. every day in the middle of I was summer. The same way. I still am the same way. Not because the hair on my legs. I just don't like wearing shorts. Never <laughs> when, have. For me, yeah. for me, it was when I was like, um, I, I was always a bigger kid. I mean, I went through a lot of fluctuation in my weight over the years. Uh -huh. well, I was really skinny at one point, really big at one point. But one of the things that I uh, was self-conscious about that it took me a while to get over was just general appearance with weight and I was always wearing a black hoodie in 90 degree humid Florida weather just because I didn't really like because you thought you were hiding yourself but everybody could still see you yeah it, didn't it really almost do doesn't anything. even make any sense right yeah it was counterproductive <laughs> yeah. it just made it worse made me stink made me sweaty <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was worse <laughs> yep. yep yep that's how it goes yeah <laughs> welcome to life right yeah right um, but we all eventually, hopefully, you're supposed to grow out of that kind of stuff. We are some crazy human beings. Yeah. But that's what we are, just human beings. Spiritual beings, learning to be human or having human experiences or something like that out there in the world. Yeah. Um, so let's pivot a little bit. Pivot. Um, so I know you collaborate with different companies like um, like Terraformata. Yes. Like the, the, the venue. Mm -hmm. uh, how did that relationship come to be? That relationship came to be because of um, Priscilla Spicer. She is the owner of Harmonies in Fort oh, Pierce. Okay, I know, I'm familiar. So Priscilla uh, and I met because she opened up a little place in Stewart called Notes, and I was not in the music business, but I would pop in and out of there for just a little place to go and have a drink and see what was going on. I was still working in a, you know, hanging out in a local theater in the area, and we would do a lot of, you know, after party things and go different places. So I started checking it out uh and it was just a small place but i wound up meeting her and then i was you going said this to was in Stewart, you said? this was in Stewart. Okay. this was notes in Stewart. it was gotcha. over by the shoe place and priscilla wound up being also involved in a network group that i was going to it was called the women's power lunch and mm. it was like a hundred ladies or something like that that were all in businesses and it was a networking and marketing luncheon that took place at the dolphin and I met her, I would see her through there as well. And we just became very good friends. Um, as I started to tiptoe into the music business and making my own music, she was a great reference of artists and musicians that she was coming across that she would turn me on to. It's actually where I initially uh, met Vern Daisel. Vern Daisel came from a contact that came from her. But Priscilla was also doing music and events because that's her background at Terra Fermata. And she was the host of their Monday night open jam. I did not actually know that. I, yes. knew, I knew Priscilla because of Harmony. Yes. Been there a bunch of times talked with her but I did not know that 
Priscilla has been in the music business and in event planning for a very long time. She even comes from like the Delray area where she did a lot of event planning and that's her specialty. So she opened up this music venue um, and then she was also at Terra Fumata doing these events there. She would do an event on Sundays or, you know, her and Eric, the owner of Terra Fumata, yeah. uh, became very good friends. One of the things that I know Eric from Terra Fumata loves is um, people who do have really great ideas, who have great energy, who love music and who love musicians. They just want to be there and have a good time. And that's basically Eric at Terra Fumata's mm -hmm. main criterias. Uh, so she was looking to open up harmonies and knew she couldn't host those Monday night open jams anymore. So she was looking for somebody to take them over. She knew that I was making original music, but that I was also wanting to get my name out there as really being in the business and thought this would be a good opportunity for me to scout and create a library of the artists so that once my recording studio was up and running, I would have the artists that I would need to call mm. on to put them in the studio and also, like okay. I said, promote myself. Now the pieces are starting to come together for me because that was going to be one of my next questions was how when did you start with the studio? So stuff? what happened was I said to Priscilla, I cannot do every Monday night, but I'll take the first Monday of the month. I went to a couple of the open mic jam sessions and I saw that it was kind of just an open jam. Anybody willy-nilly could go up on stage and just sing or do whatever they wanted to for a couple of songs. What was um, that like demographic like? Um, I think it was everybody. It was a little bit of everybody. Okay. And I want to say that there could have been anywhere from 10 to 30 or 40 people on a Monday night, on a good night. Variety, you know, wide variety basically, of genres Yes, too. well, again, Monday night. Yeah. Uh, open venue, it's, you know, could rain. So mm -hmm. there were definitely some rain outs. But I went up there, I checked it out, and I thought, because this is what I do, I come up with ideas. I was like, hmm, I wonder how we could actually put together a show that is like my own show. And we somehow give back to the artists, but we create this library together. Let me bring me and two or three of the people that I do work in the music business with up there, make it my team. So I came up with an idea called Money Music Monday, because mm. I figured, how can I get people to come out on a Monday? Well, of course, I'm, money. you know, going <laughs> after the, I'm going after the money. I'm going after the big the big return. So yeah. I said, OK, let me do this thing. Money Music Monday. I'll go up there and I will talk for the first couple of minutes and just introduce who I am, make it a little bit about me, introduce a new song that I've written, kind of throw it out there and sing it myself and see if there's anybody that's interested in working on it. And then to make it more exciting, I also hired an addition to the night, uh, a DJ to come up with me and just mm. provide some extra tunes, which was um, a guy by the name of Anthony Smith. So he would come up there, we would do a little DJ, and then I would let everybody go up on stage and do their thing, one or two songs, right? And I would keep a list of who was going up, and me and my friends would be up there as you know my team. And after everything was all said and done, I would put some money down on the table and say, okay, my team and I are gonna pick our favorite of the night, not judging anybody, we didn't put it out like they're out that way or anything, we just picked our favorite, who was our favorite overall, and, um, and then I let the audience pick a favorite. I sent a runner through for everybody to tell me who their favorite was. So if you had all your friends up there, you had more votes mm. to win. Yeah. And I put up $100 to start with, figuring if um, I could at least send somebody home with some extra gas money and a few extra dollars in their pocket, then this would be a successful Monday, Money Music Monday. 
So I put up $100. If it was not a match between my favorite and the audience's, I would split the $100 and give each person $50 each. If the audience picked the same favorite as me and my team, I doubled the money and I gave them $200. Wow. So that happened once a month for about five or six months. And in that time frame, we were able to discover some great you know, musicians sure. and artists. Yeah. And we had a fun time doing it. We did get rained out. There were times there was only a few people there. Um, but from that sparked the Monday night that was July 4th of last year. Because someone called me on the phone and said, I want you to meet somebody who's very special to me. And I think he's a special person. And I think you'll think he's a special person too. And I don't know what you guys could do together, but I'm just sending him over to you. So I called him on the phone, asked him to come over. I figured it'd just be about maybe 30 to 45 minutes in my backyard. We'd sit and chat and I would just, you know, find out who he is and what he does. And it happened to be John from Sofa Sound. Mm, okay. And when he got there, I was like immediately drawn in. We had great conversation. He was there for like almost an hour, a half, two hours. And in that time frame. I said to him, I don't know what I can do with you, except I can put you on stage on one of my Money Music Mondays, which happened to be the next one was in July. And when we looked at the calendar, it was July 4th. Ah. So I said to him, it's never been done before, but since it's my Monday, I'm betting I can get Eric to give me this Monday and let me have it as a holiday. And what I'll do is we'll do something special. We'll put you and all the local EDM DJs on stage at one time. We'll just do a local ED, EDM DJ lineup. Cool. So we started thinking about who we would want to you know, be on stage and, and do that. And then, of course, um, I immediately went straight to Michael Province, who is the violin player, a.k.a. Virtuosic, and said, wouldn't it be great if we could fly him in and put him on stage as Virtuosic as the headliner? And he thought that was a fantastic idea. So since Michael was living out of the state... Um, I had a couple of friends that had said to me, hey, I'm willing to give you some sponsorship money on your next show if you ever decide mm. you want to do something. So I nice. took their money hell, hell yeah. and I booked him on a plane to come into town. Now, the 4th of July show was also um, four days before my 50th birthday party. So instead of having a 50th birthday party, I just made that night my 50th birthday party and I paid for everything. So it wasn't something that the DJs were on stage necessarily making any money. They were, they were there to show off who they were and wanted to get the exposure on stage. But I took on, obviously, all the outside stuff, bringing Michael in on the airplane, the ticket and production and all of that stuff. Uh, you know, we did that. I did that on my own. Wow. Big. Yes. And the only reason I'm even in the EDM field and in the EDM direction is because of Michael Province. I was going to say, that seems like a bit, it's been a bit of a trend. Michael Province is a very, very special person to me. Mm. Uh, he's someone that I was following for years before I ever even went into the music business. I would see this kid play his violin online, and um, he was here for a short period of time because he's from this area, but then he was living in Colorado for about six years or so. And I would follow him on social media and think, why is this kid not famous. This violin playing is absolutely amazing. I'd never heard anything like it. I was mesmerized and I would literally m feel my body melting into the ground just listening to it and listening to him. It just somehow generated and hit me on a chord I can't actually explain. 
Uh, and so the second I knew I was going into the music business and I was going to be making original music, I said, the only person I ever want to play violin on any of my original songs is Michael Provence. So I called a friend who knew him and he said he would get a message to him. And this was somewhere around, I went into the music business in September of 2019. And this was somewhere around the end of November. My friend said, he's in my backyard right now. The kids are about to do a jam session. Mm. And I immediately ran over there and linked up with him. And I put him in the recording studio to lay tracks for some of my original songs. Uh, one is streaming. It's called A Lover. It is a love song. It's outside of the EDM world. But he was kind enough to come into the studio and drop the violin on it, nice. which makes it very, very special to nice. me. And then from there, I knew he wanted to go off and running in the EDM world. I was listening to him shred over other people's songs, and it was crazy, crazy. And I just became a diehard fan. I saw him do his first festival at Of the Werewolves in Virginia. I flew out there and camped for the weekend. It was there that I met Future Joy. Uh, it was there that I met a number of different EDM producers and managers and artists. You know, when you're camping on the grounds and you're kind of new in the whole business too, mm. but you're just having a, a good time. You know, I wake and bake, you wake and bake, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so from there, I watched Michael grow. Um, I continued to follow him as like a number one fan and wanted to continue to do more with him, but I didn't really see myself producing shows. It was him who was like, you should learn how to put a festival on. You should learn to mm. produce shows. Um, you know, also, you can make you some that, good money at this. Uh, we were standing next to each other in the field at Maypop watching Jason Leach. I didn't even know who Jason Leach was at the time. We were watching Jason Leach and he looked at me and he was like, I would love to be on stage with Jason Leach one day. And I was like, I, I think we can make that dream happen. That's what I want to do. I want to make dreams happen. So a lot of things occurred over the last year. Obviously, Jason came in and out of town. Michael was unable to make that show. Um, but we ha I have been learning to produce more shows. I'm getting better and better at it. And, uh, and to be honest, I would love Michael to be in all of my shows. I would love for Michael to be on all of my original music. I would like to be, you know, front and center for all of his successes. As you know, he's in Berkeley School of Music right now getting ready to start summer classes, wow. but we are bringing him here for the 4th of July again. Awesome. So a year reunion, which Hell is yeah. definitely overdue. So he's getting ready to take the stage at the Electric Independence Day show coming up at Terra Fermata, and I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to hear him play again. Uh, if you too. were to ask me, you know, however many years ago, 20 years ago, who my favorite artist on the planet would have been probably like John Lennon or Michael Jackson or Celine Dion, because I do love a good Celine Dion mm. and that voice and the love songs. I mean, you know, so ah, powerful, powerful. Uh, but as we sit here right now today, I couldn't say that... I, I even know who's pop. I mean, I know who's popular. I know what's going on in the world today. And I have, you know, songs that I listen to, but there's, there's no favorite other artist than Michael Province for me. So is that talent scouting at uh, those jams? Is that kind of what led you into yes. actual um, recording and producing in studio? Um, the recording in this, the recording in the studio is um, it's my original songs that drive that. Right. I want them to be made. So the scouting had to take place. Right. 
Uh, over the last two years, I have been sidetracked from making my original music in the studio. I've been sidetracked with scouting for the artists for Money Music Mondays. I've been sidetracked with, you know, producing shows. This is going to be, I think, something like my ninth show. Wow. And now I want to make the two shows that I'll do a year and just stay strict with that. It may actually only wind up being one show a year, one great show a year, which will be Electric Garden that mm. is coming back and is already on the books at Terra Fumata for January 20th of 2024. Yeah. Um, so those things will continue to take place. But right now I have been in the process of putting together my own recording studio in my house. Nice. Since my house looks like a dollhouse, it's going to be dollhouse recordings. Oh, okay. And uh, I will be starting out with making my own original music there with my sound engineers. I'll have a few of them that it will be working with. And from there, I'm going to grow it and, you know, have other recording artists come in and we can do their projects as well. So that's awesome. Scouting in all genres. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the violin, I can tell you that I have looked at other violin players. I have seen other performing violin players. I have a couple of others that are on my top favorites of violin players. Uh, there are some that play it better. There are some that know more. But there is no one like Michael Province. That's the so number one So he you. will be the number one, for me, that's the number one focus uh, when producing my original music and when I'm producing shows. Uh, even though there will be other headliners other than Virtuosic. He's, he's kind of like your... He, in my mind, will always be star. the headliner. Yes, yeah. he'll always be a headliner to me. And mm. that's where I know he wants to be. That's where I know he wants to go. You know, he wants to, like every artist and musician in here, he wants to know if he could really seriously do this for a living for the right. rest of his life and be sustainable at it. You know, there are bills to be paid. Right. So, yes. That's that. That's one of the difficult parts of being a creator. Yeah, it, it is when you're young. A lot of times, unless you were lucky to have a family that was creator centric, mm -hmm. whether it's like artistic, mm -hmm. like an artistic yes, particular yes. type of family, you, a lot of times you get pushed away from doing that stuff because it's very difficult to, to have success enough to pay the bills. Yes. And so when you when you find somebody who really shines, that's really yes. something special. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, not everybody has star power, but they do. You know, they just have to find it within themselves right. to be who they really are. And I know that once they do that, then they shine just brilliantly and bright on their own. Um, and I don't know if you know too much history with Michael Province. A lot of people do, but he does have a lot of, you know, dynamics that come with his personality that come with, you know, some things that do make, you know, functioning not as easy for the rest of us. Uh, you know, mental health world is just growing and growing by the mile. So, you know, that he's just extra special makes it even more worthwhile. Mm. And now with my son, who also plays piano, uh, coming right up behind this generation, you know, as you're 23 and, you know, Michael and Isabella and some of these other artists that I'm working with are all in their mid to late 20s. Uh, here I now am, you know, tapped into the young people of Joseph's generation. You know, I'm at the middle school. I see the high school students. It was actually a high school student that won $200 at Money Music wow. Mondays. She's now, you know, a Martin County high school student. She's with the Bellas. She's got a beautiful voice. She's going to be singing the national anthem again 
at my 4th of July show. Awesome. So I have my eye and my ear when it comes to scouting, you know, these up and coming artists as well. Obviously, Joseph being my son and being wicked on the piano now and having these other artists to be setting examples for him too, as well to come up underneath them. Mm -hmm. You know, all of my, my son is my star too. So how did he get into piano? Did you like... Did you just tell him, I want you to find something you want to do? Or did he naturally come across that? We told him he was that? playing the piano. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so my stepdaughter, Rachel, um, she was born with special needs. And uh, my stepson, Ryan, went down the road of um, really being into, like, the Marines and the fighting and, and, and some of the, that direction. Uh, but... It's interesting that when we were first talking about, you know, how we were going to raise Joseph, we were immediately in unison, like nobody else in the family that we knew really played any instruments and we really wanted music to be a part of his life. So super early on, and I can't stress this enough, if you're a mom out there listening, the Music Together program was one of the best and most brilliant that I could find early on. It was like a mommy and me, except it was like on fire. There were these uh, CDs that you would get for your car and for your home that would have all the instruments and all the instrumentations, and it would be different kinds of children's uh, music. And it would be like the bells or the triangles okay. or the bongos or the this. And it was this collaboration of like 20 different songs that you could play to your child and your, your ear starts to get trained you know, that way. And when we first moved into this area, he so, was only three years old. Wait, I'm sorry. Just, I want to understand better. So we got Does, him into to piano when he was three. Wow. We were early. like, Hey, you're learning piano. <laughs> and he was like, okay. So, <laughs> what was he so, going to say? <laughs> so those CDs, wait, so just cause I'm, I'm curious, cause this might be something interesting for like my sister. Sure. Uh, Explain that a little bit more. So, so is the, it music, like the music together, specific instruments, the music or? together um, series, let's say the program uh, comes with a CD with almost 20 different types of children's songs on them. Uh -huh. Not your typical children's songs, but some are so similar. not like nursery but they're rhyme very stuff. In, yeah, they're nursery rhyme. Okay, uh, but they're very instrumental. Okay. I don't know if you remember when um, Mike Farrow was here at one of the open mics mm -hmm. and he wanted everybody to repeat after him. Yeah. There was a song that's from the together. Oh, okay. Yes. It was, I can't remember it, but that's it, about a little bird. Okay. Right. I, so, I recall the, I don't remember the song, so but I recall there's a that. booklet that comes with it that actually has the song and the sheet music. Okay. So if you want to play it, it comes with a little book of music and then it has a CD for at home and a CD for your car that you could play. But each song has great instrumentation in it. Lots of instruments going on. It mm. could be a lot of strings and that's like the strings or percussion, whatever. But, you know, each season, let's say they would come out with this. So Joseph from, you know, one, two years old was doing this program and listening to the music and listening to the songs. I was a huge fan of um, Red Grammar. Do you know who Red Grammar mm. is? Red Grammar is Andy Grammar's dad. Okay. Okay. So you know who Andy Grammar is? He's got a lot of really popular. The, the, I'm gonna be honest. The name is songs. familiar, but I don't know. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a top producing artist right now. Okay. But um, his dad did a series of songs that were also geared towards children that were about their character. There were songs about bebopping your best. That's actually the name of one of the CDs. Mm. I highly recommend that one for moms. Um, and each song on there was about um, truthfulness, respect, 
loyalty, friendship, and there were these they were these happy, snappy old timer, but had this new wave kind of instrumentation feel to it that the kids really got into. And as an adult, mm. I was listening to this music as well. Like even when he wasn't in the car, mm. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, but I think so it he, was it was like kid centric, but it was quality enough yes, that it was really yes. Like it, I it said, was, it was actually like sophisticated. You can Google it. Red Grammar, Bebop Your Best, mm -hmm. and the together you know music together program, and uh, it'll have all the information on Google there for anybody That's who's cool. interested. But he started piano at three years old, and this is also part of the story. Um, his piano teacher was Ian Schellenberg. Uh, Ian was a high school student at Martin County looking to, you know, make some extra money. And he would come over to the house once a week or Joseph would go over to his parents' house and he would, you know, go to the piano there. And he barely knew his ABCs, but Ian did his best to just introduce the basics of piano to him. Um, Ian is the one that told me about Michael Province. He was like, man, you would really love this violin player. He's a friend of mine. He was featured on Oprah Winfrey when he was like 13 years old mm. as a prodigy. Wow. He does a lot of busking in downtown Stewart. Um, he's going to be at the Osceola Cafe. So my husband and myself and my son at the time, you know, we, were, we went down to the restaurant. And at the time we got there, Michael was just walking out the door. So I basically got introduced to Michael for like two seconds and he moved to Colorado like a week so later. So right before, yeah, right before he moved. Uh, and like I said, I wasn't even in the music, but this was like 2012. Mm. So from 2012 to 2019, I watched him online. And then you, yes. did, did you like realize, oh, I met this person briefly <laughs> or did you not even realize? Oh yeah, no, yeah. I knew, I knew that when I met him and started following his social page immediately after oh, that, okay. I recognized immediately gotcha. that he was a fantastic violin player. It's it's one of those it's one of those funny like comes full circle type things. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And um I'm like I said, I have I'm I'm very lucky to have such a great team behind me. One of the things that I knew immediately in going into the music business when I said, Okay, what do I need to go into the music business? I knew I needed an entertainment attorney. Mm. That was the very first person I hired. And it just so happened that it's somebody who lives very close to me. I'm very close with his family. Um, his wife is uh, an amazing, stellar, knockdown, drag out, killer vocalist, mm. powerhouse diva. Uh, you know, Cuban from Miami had stuff on the dance charts, you know, way back in the day. You know, she's a mama bear now like mm. me, and we have kiddos that we are, you know, raising together as a tribe. But having the entertainment attorney, having a good sound engineer, um, you know, just knowing I had that security and protection going into the music business and a team of people. You know, and got, that's got your back. That's yeah. got my back. Yeah. And like I said, Michael so, has always, you know. So how, how did you form and how do you continue to maintain that the, the entertainment attorney relationship? Like, I'm really curious about like the behind the scenes mm -hmm. aspect of the, sure. the music business. Sure. The, the, that that yeah. kind of stuff that people don't really see. Right. It's like the Sopranos. Yeah. We went over that earlier. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bunch of OG people hanging out in back here. No. Um, <laughs> What happened was um, through at a children's birthday party, I met a lady and I, you know, met her son. And a couple of months later, she was featured in a magazine called Palm City Neighbors. Mm. And I recognized her and I recognized her family. And then I read this, this spread inside. Mm. And when I read the spread, it said, you know, vocalist and entertainment attorney. And I was like, wow, oh. that's so awesome. I'm considering going in. I, I'm, I was like one foot in, one foot out. I was going to maybe take that step to go into the 
music business. So I had written a song that I thought maybe um, she could be a vocalist on. But I also wanted to talk to her husband as well about being my attorney. So we, you know, I basically set up that meeting. I went over there to their house and we met again. And I, uh, you know, introduced them. I told them what I was doing. Introduced them to some of my songs and what my, you know, sat down with my attorney and figured, you know, f sat down with Michael at the and, time. And and how how early on in your music business like venture was what, did this happen? I wrote Free Fall in June of 2019. Okay. I went into Raincat Recording Studio in September of 2019, before I stepped foot into the Raincat recording studio, I already had my attorney and I already had my work for higher contracts. So it was one of those things where you're like, okay, I'm making this step. I got to secure this before sure. I do anything else. Because what happens is I don't, I did not know how to copyright. I did not know how right. to LLC myself. I was not going to take a chance on doing it all by myself to get the cheaper rate online and you know, do it in that direction. I knew that I wanted to give it more than that and that I wanted to have that security because as we've all known and seen in the music business, it is a scary place. And you of, can be- A lot be, of people getting taken advantage of. You can be taken advantage of and not only that, but let's say for instance, I write a song, but I don't think it's anything like any other song I've ever heard, but then somewhere down the line, somebody comes back and they say, well, you know, did you copyright this? Do you have your copyright? You know, is it legal? Is it, you know, like where, where are your ducks? Because it's easy to get sued. Mm -hmm. And I just know, I, I know some, too many people that were so happy in my life. And I was like, not going to take that chance again. Because some other random could be like, oh, well, I wrote this melody. So you copied yeah. me. If, if you don't have any documentation saying when and where and how you wrote it, then they could just yes. be like, they could just claim all yes. of your money, basically. Yes, and a poor man's copyright is not the same anymore. You can't just put it in an envelope and mail it to yourself as you could have way back in the day. Um, you really need to go through the channels to make sure that it's done properly. And on top of that, I needed a manager. I needed guidance. So I would go, you know, and have a meeting with my attorney, Michael. I, 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 we're going to get confused with a lot of Michaels. We have Michael <laughs> Katz, who's my entertainment attorney, and we have Michael Province, my violin player. Um, but... Um, Michael Katz, you know, when I sat down with him and told him what my plan was, told him what my procedure, need, you know, would asked him what my procedure needed to be. He would tell me step by step what it needs to be, how much it's going to cost, what it's going to take. So with that guidance together is how I've been growing. You know, I have been stepped to and asked to be somebody's manager. I had to really take a look at that. Um, I had to have real contracts drawn up and signed and formed for that. Um, there have been, there was an incident where I signed a contract with uh, a headlining artist and it turned out that manager wound up, you know, ghosting them. Oh. And then I, I was in a contract with an artist whose, you know, manager was in a bad situation and now I had to look to my attorney and, again. So, you know, that was, it was just very important to me that I, you know, had that person in my life. How, how was that resolved? Um... I worked directly with the artist mm. and um, I trusted the artist would do the right thing and the artist did. Wait, so, okay, set up, what What was the actual agreement? What was the occasion? Was it a show? Was it a recording or was it? Yes, well, the, um, the manager uh -huh. uh, sent me a contract and took a deposit and mm. it was supposed to be in lieu of getting certain things done to make sure that the artist was taken care of and that certain things would be taken care of. Uh, the artist called me direct, 
some months later and said, I believe this person is stealing my money mm. uh, because none of that has been done. And can you please send me a copy of the contract? And I'm going to do everything to still move forward on the contract. Well, that's good that the so, artist was working in good faith, yes, at least. Absolutely. They, they still absolutely. did their best to follow yes, through. Yes. That's good. Yes. But of course, the first phone call I made after I got that call was to my attorney. Right. <laughs> and I was like, do you remember that contract I signed? <laughs> yeah. Well, we have an issue. <laughs> we have an issue. So, so what, what happened to yes. that manager? He just dipped? He just disappeared? He just dipped. He just took the money and just ran. Just took the money wow. and ran, and now will forever be known as that guy. That guy. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, we could do all. What's the word that they do nowadays when they're totally like dissing somebody? Yeah, we could totally do that, but we're not going to because that's karma. Oh yeah, no, we're not going to name the person. Nope. But um, that's wow. But, but let me just say this. Yeah. Um, when you are a young artist coming up and you have your own stuff and somebody steps to you because they're either a friend or you know somebody through a friend or maybe they're doing something that you trust in them and you sit and somebody steps to you and says, hey, I want to be your manager. I want to be your booking agent. Most of the time, I have found that nobody has a signed contract between themselves and their manager and themselves and the booker because they're just doing it because the person believes in them. Meanwhile, this person is taking 20% of their cut and putting themselves out there as your manager slash booker. What winds up happening is if for whatever reason, things you know have irreconcilable differences and each person goes their own way, you really don't have any defense either way. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is out there just willy-nillying what they're doing, there's no sense of security and there's no sense of structure or discipline to that. Right. I, excuse and me, that structure I understand is why and how it's happening. Um, it's not anything I am ever going to do simply because in this learning process, I have found it to bite too many young artists in the booty. And when they're not getting to where they is, it is they want to really go, and especially in this, in this field, in the EDM world especially, you know, uh, they're going to they're going to wind up being behind. Yeah. They're going to wind up continually running into these situations. So do you have any interesting mm. again going back to behind the scenes stuff? Any interesting uh like legal world fiascos would it w involving the attorney uh, like anything? No no bad legal fiascos, no. Um I do find that when it comes to making the flyer Mm -hmm. It's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and everybody has a, an artistic design and way that it should look. Um, it's been a stopper for me in certain um, cases where, you know, somebody didn't like the color or they didn't like the presentation. It wasn't representing properly. They didn't mm. like the font. This wasn't on the flyer. The size of that was too small. That Maybe gets it down, should have. And that, then you're just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, because, yeah, because that gets down to like the marketing and the that nitty gritty of yeah, it. Yeah. And that that's really like a very in-depth process of like, how do we make this shine as much as possible mm -hmm. to gr grab as many mm -hmm. people? Mm -hmm. And the argument is from the artists is that they get to have a say so as to what their logo looks like. And they get to have a say so as to what, you know, they're being represented and promoted out there as, right. um, and then the argument on the purchasers end, on the buyers end is that that's ridiculous that they're being hired. They're a product. They're being hired for a certain amount of money. Yes. They have say so if their logo is correct, if it's sized, right, if it's the right color, but they don't get say so over what the whole, flyer and ambiance is going to look like right. that is actually they're, the they're, sole uh decision of the producer they're one piece of the puzzle in that right instance. right 
So as, you know, the producer, you're trying to say, okay, I want everybody to be happy here. You know, there's the person that's letting you have it at their place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's, uh, you know, the day of the week or the, the night of the week that it's on. It's the tone of the music. It's the, you know, w- whatever the vision is in the producer's head. And then it's the whatever the, and then of course the artists come in and they have a vision for it themselves. It just winds up becoming too many cooks in a kitchen. So, and, and it comes down to, I'm sure a lot of like, it comes down to a lot of time. Time and a lot of money wasted mm. on something that is, disappears the second something else comes out on social media. Mm. The only person who's going to remember that fo- that poster is the person who's me who's saving it on their wall to show that I did that show right. and how cool that particular poster is. They're all not going to be perfect. They're all not going to be after the show's know, over. Nobody's going to care about over, that flyer. It's, it's done. Yeah. Right. Everybody's looking to see what's next. Even mm-hmm. if you go online right now. Like I've seen, you know, many producers who have been um, putting shows on over at East Ocean Pub here at the Hava Cava. Um, Celios, Celios, is that another one? Um, even TK Lounge, you know. Oh, um, Cielo, uh, Cielo, 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 I think the, it's Celios. I've heard Cielo's? like three different ways to pronounce Cielo's it. Celios Lounge, <laughs> I hope I'm saying that right. Because I, I do want to yeah. give that place kudos. I was there and it was very nice. Yeah, I've been there for a few shows too. They're pretty great. I, um, but yeah, they have a confusing name. But yeah, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know right now there's like five or six different flyers going on social media all at one time. Boom, right. boom, 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 boom. June 5th, June 15th, here, yeah. there, you know, like... I'm not going to remember what any of them looks like when my uh, show comes. <laughs> right. I'm only looking at it for the moment and then, you know, moving on. So I would highly recommend that, you know, let that be something that doesn't take up too much time and too much headspace Could- because it does cost money. Uh, you know, I was very lucky this time around. Treasure Coast Live took on um, a graphics design part of their business. So uh, they have been the ones who have been designing this last flyer and they'll be the designers of the future flyers as well. And, um, you know, it's going to be great. It's going to, it's, it's beautiful. Can you give any insight, perhaps uh, maybe any specific stories about how you manage that give and take and that compromise between you're doing these shows between what the venue owner wants, what the artists want, what everybody in between wants and how to how to make the vision come together while satisfying multiple parties? Um, it's a lot of uh, listening. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of still putting my foot down and, you know, putting my heel in the ground for a lot of things. And I also try to be understanding to everybody involved. What winds up happening for me especially is I'll get in my own head and I'll see something that it should be and then I'll work with the person to, you know, get it done the way that I see it. And then I will put it out there. Uh, If somebody doesn't like it, then I have to sit down and find out why. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's reasonable, then I can accept it and move on. If it's not, then I won't. I think one of the things that I've done in the past is I've dug my heels in and been like, look, it's either going to be my way or the highway. Because really when it comes down to it at the end of the day, even though I want what I want, I'm still willing to make it happy and make it, you know, across the board for everybody. But at the end of the day, I want everybody to really understand and realize that I don't have to do this. And if it's not happy for me and if it's not a pleasant experience for me, then I'm not going to do it. Right. I'll do something else. Um, goes so, back to 
yeah. taking time yeah. your time so, so at this point uh, you know obviously with some you know there's been some hurdles to jump over with the last couple of shows but it's been like well it's either done my way or it's not done at all it's either done with this artist or it's not done with this artist it'll be done with another artist and it will be done you know with my way one of the things i think that came about early on and i do want to touch on this a little bit was that I am the narrator presents certainly doesn't scream EDM <laughs> it's it's been you know brought up that it's more musical theater that it almost sounds like a storyteller like a book mm -hmm. like you think of books or you think of a library you don't think of music you don't think of a producer in the music business but I had I have a different vision of that I have right. my vision for that yes I'm Nicole D'Agostino Nicole D'Agostino presents, I Am The Narrator presents, I Am The Narrator presents Nicole D'Agostino. I Am The Narrator wasn't just because of it being personal to me. I knew already thinking ahead that people were gonna wear hats and t-shirts with my merch on it that says, I am the narrator, my life, my dreams, my story. That's specific to each and every single individual human being right. that's out there to wear it. So when I was putting the I Am The Narrator as presented and part of who I am, there were certain people and certain opinions that came back to me that were like, we don't think that's the right fit for us. It's not the right image for us. Um, it would be better if it was like Terra Fumata presents or this person presents or that person. But in the building of an empire, you have to go brick by brick mm -hmm. and you have to, again, this is where I put my you know foot down too, was I was like, I, I am the narrator. So as long as I'm the one paying for it, I'm the one telling this part of the story. I'm the one that's putting it together and giving everybody this opportunity. It's going to be my final decision in the end. And then everybody has choices. Yeah. The choice you make today could affect my choice tomorrow. <laughs> so it's kind of like you're either in or you're not. And if you're not in on the production and you're not in on my dream and my life, then stay in the game still. Be my friend. Right. Be my fan. You know, be a follower. Be somebody who just stays in contact. Be around. Be around, yeah. man. Yeah. Continue Listen, the fans the are the most important part. I, I really appreciate your outlook on the brand optics aspect of it because, you know, I kind of had a similar um similar outlook when it comes to like the show go the name ghost on the ox like yeah. people don't really know immediately what that means uh -huh. and i my i took it from my angle at least like in my head i know what it's trying to be yes and i'm letting the content that i create speak for itself to show what the brand is yes. rather than just creating an aesthetic yes that displays it you know i get you yeah. i actually see that and i see what you see yeah that's why I'm a fan because I, I see what you see Thank you. and I get that. <laughs> it doesn't roll like at first and you kind of want to call it ghost on the O because of the way that it, like they like it's just it's it's spelled in a weird way that like at first you're not even sure what it means on the end like how to even pronounce it. Mm -hmm. But I get it now. The ghost on the ox. Yeah. yeah. Ghost on the ox. Yeah. It's, it's funny because it actually started out. I, mean, I don't know if you've had anything similar to this where you, you start out in one direction and you kind of naturally pivot another way mm -hmm. but this this show started out as um the original vision was going to be finding a niche sector a niche topic to to explore and that was going to be the crossroads of music industry things mm -hmm. and paranormal 
Oh, okay. Paranormal yep, exploration. Yep. And well, I can definitely help you with that crossover because um, my co-producer Vibe, uh, he lo- he was just on a ghost tour recently somewhere, wow. and he was showing me pictures of somebody who caught a ghost on camera and uh, all about the paranormal. Yeah, they were doing some sort of ghost tour and some some stuff. But he's really big into all of that, and uh, and one of my very best friends uh, is also a vocalist. Also, is the wife of my. Uh, entertainment attorney <laughs> uh, she is really big into like astrology and she believes in spirits and and beings and i have had a couple of friends actually tell me that they do see ghosts like for real in life so i i believe them i you know i i believe it too i i come at with that stuff from a skeptic but open-minded perspective because mm-hmm. i also have uh people I don't want to say who it is, but people close to me who have had very vivid and unexplainable experiences uh, uh, that point to something otherworldly existing from another plane, you know? Yes. Um, And that that leads me into... I just watched Quantum Mania again. Oh, yeah? Marvel geek over here. That, that's the newer one, right? That's the newer one. With the, I haven't caught with up with the, the Ant-Man. They, I've only seen the first one. They go to the one. quantum world. Yeah. The possibility of everything and anything. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's a good belief to believe in. You know? that, that leads me into uh, our, our, our closing oh, conversation Oh, okay. Wow, that here. went by fast. Well, we're already at an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. Um, have you had any personal experiences with a paranormal things? Aliens, ghosts, spirits, visions, dreams? Uh, yes, a lot of people when they um, ask me about like being a Christian or be, you know believing in God and believing in Jesus Christ, I would say that yes, I um, I'll start with that particular conversation. Sure. Uh, yes, I absolutely do believe in God. I do believe in Jesus. Uh, I have had personal situations and personal moments that are just between me and my journey and him. So I have to put that out there. Um, there's an understanding too when you're a parent. And I, I feel like I get that more and where my belief comes into play, especially with God and almighty, a spiritual being out there as a parent figure. Um, you know, I, I, I have that uh, experience firsthand. I have visions and dreams of grandeur that play out in my head. Like I can see them clearly and I can see it happening and I, and I just know. So I feel like there's always that sort of knowing. It's kind of like an ESP, but not really, I guess, because I can't just be like, oh, like all of a sudden I see something. I can see something, see it so clearly and manifest it like it's magic. I have an, I'm going to tell you this off air, but I have an interesting story, very similar to what you're talking about. But. And then, um, you know, as far as like spiritual beings and spiritualness, um, you know, yes, I realize that we're all here in the whole human form and human, you know, being blood, guts, skin, all of it. I, I recognize our, that. Our I, I recognize I recognize this. And I've certainly done uh, enough experimenting in my 20s to have left the planet, come back, seen visions, gone through this, done that so let's just put it out there yes i like everybody else have seen it all been in, been there done that it's you know some stuff is the same as everybody else based upon whatever it is you're experimenting with some of it's personal and some of it's different if you come back from any of those experiences to your lucid self to your straight self and you don't apply that then you have no right to even claim that you have spiritualism or spiritualness. Real. 
Because that is the true spiritualness. If you have seen something or visioned something or or spotted something that is of that much magnitude and effect to affect you in a positive and good way, but you come back from that experience and you're an asshole, garbage, or crap. Mm -hmm. So I recognize the beautiful people. I know who they are and I can see them clearer than I had before. Okay, you just opened up a whole new topic I want to actually explore a little bit with you. T, there's so, always another episode. <laughs> we, we, could, we can definitely do the that. The narrator part two. Except Was there... we'll lose Trey. Because... <laughs> do you... Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I asked this question because I, I have had one of these moments myself. Have you had a specific... And you don't have to get into detail if it's too personal, if you don't want sure. to, but but I'm just curious, have you ever had any specific moment, experience that really confirmed those beliefs to you? Yes. Do you, would you like to talk about it? Can you? Are we on? We are, we're on air then. Yeah. All right. I don't know who many, how many people can hear this story though. This is a, this is a story. Okay. Um, well, I can edit out things if there's stuff you don't want out there, but. I want to say that the moment came for me when uh, a particular situation and a particular drug that I was on, uh, and it's the only one that's really out there that really can affect your brain on both a chemical and electrical sense. DMT? Uh, I don't know what that is. LSD? Uh, I do know what that is, but no, that is not the one. Psilocybin? No. Oh. But let's just say that there's one out there. Uh, and I would say that I... Ayahuasca? I experimented with this particular... Um, you don't want to say what it is. This particular substance. <laughs> and I thought in my head that three minutes went by. And I had had so many conversations in my head at that moment in time and so many different moments where I was specifically, specifically, I remember in my head, specifically looking, specifically searching, specifically questioning, specifically wanting to know certain things. And then something clicked and flipped and three minutes of time wound up being three days. Wow. And I never moved from one spot. Wow. And I was still alive. And with that came, I think the thing that a lot of people do normally, they start to get books, they start to read magazines, they start to explore what I'm going to call self-help. So there's a lot of stuff out there from the prophet to the Celestine prophecy to the secret to this to that. There's a bunch of shows even on TV and, and documentaries and stuff that you can watch. But I think what wound up happening for me when I truly knew what had happened in that moment clicked for me most when my, um, my stepdad, he introduced a show to me called what the bleep do we know? And it was an exploration into the quantum, uh, and quantum physics and the power of the brain and what it could do Mm -hmm. to things around you. And that it was based mostly on the source of elements water, wind, fire, those types of things. So I feel extremely connected to water. And uh, I can only tell you that a lot of manifestation comes from those particular moments of miracles, um, spiritualism, spirits, I wanna say 
magic? I have a, a similar kind of it really clicked for me type of moment. So I grew up um, in a, a religious household as well, where it was kind of a combination of uh, Christianity and Judaism. And for my early Great combo, yeah, it was Messianic Judaism, where it was basically essentially all the traditions that you would sure. follow as a Jew, sure. uh, following like. Levitical law and the Torah and, and feasts and festivals and all those things, but with the twist of accepting Christ as Savior rather than waiting still. Sure. Um, and so uh, early life, that was part of my life. I was in like Christian sure. private schools and sure. things. But as I grew and started to experience more of the world, I became more skeptical and more worldly, more secular, I guess. Sure. Secularized. Mm-hmm. And But I still had this in the back of my head. I know, I don't know how I know, but I know that there's something more mm-hmm. to what's going on mm-hmm. um, because of life experiences and people I know and things I learned and whatever. But the moment that I still look back on that really f- still f- floors me uh, was kind of similar to what you're saying. Uh, I was on LSD with a group of friends of mine, and this was not at all intended at first to be a spiritual journey. Um, but it became one. Uh, the group of us were on a like a big um, blanket uh, by a lake as the sun was rising, and we were all like at the end of our trip, and we just all felt this extremely overwhelming sense of oneness, connectivity, tranquility. tranquility. Connect. Well, we felt connected, and that was something that to me just we we felt like pulses going through each other simultaneously like we were linked we all had similar thoughts and thought processes and um, feelings and all these things and that's a whole story I'll get into another time that's actually the study of matter well it, it was something that confirmed to me a belief that there is a force behind all of us and connecting all of us and whether that that's my interpretation of what God is. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different... I, I believe, like, when you're a... a, a, a I, I don't like to use the word religion, but when you're a, a in-touch-with-your-God person, it is a relationship you have with, with them mm-hmm. um, rather than just showing up to church mm-hmm. and reading scripture. It's, it's more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was one of those moments for me that really like solidified that connection with something. Mm-hmm. So that's a beautiful story. And one that is shared by millions and millions of people who have had a lot of those same experiences. I can say that, um, that particular substance for me, uh, is an interesting one because I have never, ever not been Eve in the Garden of Eden, but I have known a bunch of people that have had some really bad experiences. So I'm guessing what really is inside does wind up coming out mm-hmm. and that energy does take, um, you know, effect. And certainly there are a lot of... Um, there's a lot of energy still that we don't necessarily understand and a lot of magnitude and magnetic connections and kinetics that go on just on a planetary 
basis, on a universal, you know, basis. Right. Everything is controlling something from some end. Um, and, you know, that can go on and on and on and on. We can go bigger We can go bigger outside that circle as far as you want to, or we can go as teeny tiny little small into the core of something as, as you want to. And I think our, our earthly brain makes it sometimes hard for us to uh, uh, connect with that, mm. but subconsciously we are aware of... Well, imagine the same thing like being a parent, you know, as a parent, which is whatever the creator out there has mm -hmm. got to be good, bad and indifferent over everything and maybe not even know what the hell they're doing. Right. You know, and it's a full blown learning process um, because as a parent myself, you can relate to that. Like you said, you want to talk to, you know, I want to talk to my children. I want to teach people. I want to mentor people. You know, I know, but I have no control. Free will just kind of gets in the way of everything. Just go ahead and free will and do right. whatever mm -hmm. you want to. So now here I am as a parent, like, oh my gosh, sometimes it's better just to steer into the skid. Okay. <laughs> Humans that are, are all my children, because obviously I wanted to know what I was really capable of. And now that I have this great experiment of knowing that I've got, you know, that I know this much about what I'm capable of and this much of what I can do. Once again, what happens after you have that with great power comes great responsibility? Right. It's, it's definitely that because at the same time, I'm sure as a great parent, you know, as a great creator, as a, as a greater power than we have, they're they, they sure are hoping for that, for the best, for that, yeah. you know, unity, for that peace for that tranquility. They want you to have that. They want you to, to experience that. So see, Very, look at all the things you and I have in common now right. after this, after this talk and Absolutely. relationship. And this is what it's all about. You know, sometimes you don't have two hours in your day to stop, drop and roll, but isn't it worth it when you make it? Absolutely. And you steal that's, that time. That was one of, uh, that, that's a big um, drive in, in why I do this is because I like um, talking to people about things we have in common and things we have, we differ on yeah. because that's how you, that's how you uh, create and drive new ideas sure. is that those type of discussions. Everybody's learning and growing. Yeah. Try not to compete against each other, you know, yeah. bloom on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I don't look at, yeah. I, I, that's a whole other thing. I don't like to, uh, I feel like a lot of people in entertainment have this mentality of competition where really a lot of it is more collaboration. Yeah. Because yeah. you're really, you're, you're competing in a sense for eyeballs Mm -hmm. And for attention, mm -hmm. for ears, mm -hmm. but in the same time, it's not competition in like uh, you're fighting to to live, like mm -hmm. to survive necessarily. Right. It's more like you're 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 competing to create yeah. and do the best you can in creating. Yeah. But with that, um, let's wrap this up. Sure. Do you have any final piece of wisdom? Any final thoughts? Final words? Oh my goodness. Too, and, and too also many. It would take on another two hours. I would just say this, um, you know, keep on being yourself. Keep on, you know, trusting the next chapter of your life because you are the author of it. So write it the way that you want it to go. Mm -hmm. And um, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to us chat it up. And if, of course, if you want to know any other information about me, I'm always an open book and willing to, you know, talk about anything. And um, just keep following us along because there are 8 billion people on the planet. And I only need 1 billion of those people to know who I am to stream or download my song. Doesn't even matter. Just stream it for free. 
And um, and that's equivalent to some some big money. And with big money, I oh, can yeah. throw that back out into the people that I have the passion, you know, for. I want to make sure that you are doing what you want to do, you know, with your life, and you're doing it better than anybody else can, so that you're super happy and you're super successful. And if each person can, you know, make that difference in somebody's life, then just keep doing it and come to the show. Okay. July 4th is going to be an amazing time. I definitely want to get this out there. Uh, yeah. Like plug everything. 4th of, yes. The 4th of July at Terra Fumata, we kick it off from 5 to 10 PM and we've got side project. We have sofa sound, Ty Jesus and Flint blade. That's going to be starting off the night. And then guess what guys, we are going to be at the Hava Kava and Stewart for an after party. So I'm really excited about that. Get over here to see Tempest and pedal Dave and Bradley Christ and uh, I'll be running I'll be uh, running a little bit later but I'll be rolling in around 12 1230 with my posse so we're gonna be having a, a great time until 3 a.m. Oh, hell it's yeah. gonna be like the greatest Tuesday night on the Treasure Coast absolutely this works yeah at. yeah and I'm bringing a special guest with me and um, I'm really excited about this special guest is this I can't a wait for everybody it is a secret for right now uh, I mean I think that people out there right now are guessing and are probably putting two and two together but what I would say is this. Do not underestimate the amount of conversations that I do have in the course of a day because I talk to many artists. I've been in contact with many of their managers and special guests could be anybody. True. <laughs> True. So I cannot confirm or deny. And that's going to be my, my final. So anyway. Yay. All right. Well, there it is. Thanks for having me, Devin. You guys are great. Trey. All right. Sweet that's dreams. His final words. Sweet dreams, my friend. The snoring. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Trey, thank you for that insightful. I tried. Insightful. I can't believe we didn't get his sexy voice on this with us. Punish, punish Trey. Signing out. <laughs> okay, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Ghost in the Ox, Patreon.com/slash Ghost in the Ox. Um, follow Nicole. I am the narrator.com. There you go. Follow Trey. Wherever. Follow him in the street if you see him. Follow him on the uh, 4th of July here to Hava Kava yeah. where he's going to be kicking off the after party. Stay tuned for those flyers. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. I'll be there. I'll be there. All right. Be me. I'll be high, but I'll be there. I'll be I love when people are like, I'll be better wow, you get high? And I'm like, you really got to think to yourself, have you ever actually seen me straight? I cannot confirm nor deny. <laughs> All I'm right. ready to smoke a joint right now. Have a good week, day, night, morning, whatever it is for you, and um, wash your hands. What's happening in the world today? Everybody wants their own way. It's a personal journey, and I ain't in no hurry, because I'm loving the life that I live. What's happening in the world today? Seems like we're splitting three ways. If it's not my religion, sex or political position, it's tearing our souls.